Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 1030. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 Westerman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Welcome. Good morning. Well, thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. Let's stand and sing together and invite them to come in. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. Song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect
jump right in here, guys. The name of the message today from the book of Ezra is How and Why to Rebuild. And, uh, you know, I'll start off with a story. If some of you are following along in the app, you can find uh, the intro to the story in the app as well, as well as all the verses and the points to go along with today's message. Um, But my boys, they love Legos. Even to this day, they love Legos. And when they were very tiny, I loved Legos as a child myself, so I thought I'm going to introduce them to Legos because they were just wonderful. You know, it keeps them off the, the iPads and the video games and all those things, and it's a constructive, literally constructive uh, tool that they, they can play with, and they learn so many wonderful things by it. And uh, anyways, I was showing... Eli, how to put them together and how to read the directions off the book. And he was very, very little at this time. I mean, very, very little. Just barely little enough to understand what was going on in the book. And so then his brother, Ben, was two years younger. And I had no idea what was going on. He just knew not to put them in his mouth. <laughs> but with that said, Eli and I, we'd build something together. And without fail, 100% of the time, either he'd break it. Or Ben would get a hold of it, and he'd break it. And, uh, of course, then they'd fight over it, who broke it and why, and all this, that, and the other. And uh, I kept having to rebuild these little play sets, these little things. And eventually, I was able, Eli was able to build them on his own, and then even still, Ben was quite little, and get a hold of them. And sometimes, in spite, would just smash them to pieces. And, uh, you know, he's... In hindsight, it's funny, but in the moment, you know, seeing them fight, you think, oh, no, but, you know, it really is. It's, it's just funny now. But as adults, a lot of those principles and situations, they don't change, do they? My wife and I just recently bought a home. It's a little older than the one we had, but it had all the things we wanted, it had a nice privacy fence that went around, and it had um, uh, the, the building style. It was a raised ranch, which is what we wanted, so she could get right in the front door and uh, things of that nature. And uh, we get there the first night, and we think, well, we got to go get the dogs. I've got two large dogs, for those of you who don't know. I've got a pit bull and a half pit, half boxer, and they are as sweet and loving as can be. But it was also very new to them. So the moment they got in the backyard, they, th- they just thought, well, we got to find home. And sadly, I did not know that one of the posts that held the door shut on the privacy fence was completely rotten on the bottom. So she, boom, my pit, Addie, she just busts right through this door and just runs. And of course, her, her brother, as we, we call him, they, we call him brother and sister because they are, but Mowgli is his name, and he's the half-pit, half-boxer. He goes running first behind her and then quickly in front of her, I'm sure, um, because he's only a you know, year old. He's a puppy, and he's just rambunctious as can be. But uh, anyways, and they run a good four or five blocks before, praise the Lord, my mother-in-law was able to call them into her van because they were just one block away from Seven Highway in Blue Springs which they would not have probably been able to cross without getting hurt. So praise the Lord, they were found. But then also, we go into the master bathroom to get the bathtub ready for my daughter, Adrielle, and I look and I see, oh my goodness, there's a big white plaster spot on the side of the tub. 
because there was a hole in the tub that they had plastered. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so we're dealing with that. And then also I had to build a 10 by 10 uh, by six foot high kennel in the garage for the dogs so they couldn't get out anymore because they were just going to keep getting out at that point. And uh, that was giving me all kinds of grief. And I find myself just literally exhausted and in tears over everything that just seemed to just be falling apart right before my eyes. And of course, my wife was following suit, you know, to quote her. She thought, well, this was supposed to be our dream home. And that dream was shattered with reality. <laughs> and that happens. And you know, the thing about it, I lost how and why we were doing what we were doing. I didn't know exactly how I was supposed to be doing it because it wasn't what I expected. And because of that, then as a result, I lost all reason as to why. I just wanted to go back to my old house where I knew what every sound meant and I knew when something was getting ready to break because it sounded different. In all honesty, I'm so glad we did move because the, the sump pump was making a really strange noise and I didn't want to have to find out what was wrong with it because <laughs> those things happen. But I knew that house so well. It was familiar. It was what I knew. But sometimes you've got to have a fresh start. You've got to rebuild. And today... In the book of Ezra, to give you guys some context, we are going to be looking at the Israelites beginning the process of rebuilding the temple. And we're going to look at three hows and how they did it, and three whys on why those hows should have occurred, if that makes any sense. So turn with me, please, to the book of Ezra. It's in the Old Testament, for those of you who don't know, toward, toward the end. Historically, it's close to what we call the intertestamental period, which is the time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, we're going to start off in the first chapter of Ezra. Now, before we go any further, though, I would like us to pray. Uh, so many things we can pray for, so many needs that our, our, our personal lives require, our city requires, this country requires, definitely think we need to pray. If you have any prayer requests on your mind right now, please be thinking of those, obviously, as we bring those before the Lord. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this day, specifically, Lord. This is the day, just like all the others, this is the day that you have made. And I pray, Lord, that we would rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I pray that you would make our hearts and minds ready for whatever you may have for us, Lord. Lord, that we would be tools and instruments, Lord, for your use. And Lord, that you would prepare us and make us to be exactly what you would have us to be for that very purpose. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would, would come and minister to us right now, Lord. Lord, give us exactly what we need from you. I love you and I thank you so much for it, Lord. Amen. All right, so like I said, in the book of Ezra, chapter 1, we're going to look at the first how. In Ezra, chapter 1, verse 5, and what we see there, obviously, is we see these people 
these Israelites from all over after the decree from the king of Syria to go back home. And there's a key word there, stirring is the key word. Their hearts were stirred. So how, what's the first how and how we rebuild? Well, first we have to respond to the Holy Spirit's stirring. When the Lord stirs our hearts, that's the time to move. So many times we want to figure it out ourselves, don't we? We've talked about that before. Kevin's talked about it before. I'm sure you hear about it all the time. We all want to try and figure it out. We, we think, well, you know, this is a simple thing. I don't need God for this. And we want to figure out the how on our own. And then when it goes completely wrong, then we go to the Lord, don't we? Oh, Lord, please, I've made a big mess of this. Please help me. But in reality, when the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts to act, that's when we respond. We don't see something and say, oh, you know what? This is a good time to act. We, we wait. We wait on the Lord. You know, sometimes things have to run their process, don't they? You know, my, uh, my oldest son and I, we were talking about just uh, such a situation where sometimes you see someone that maybe they're doing something wrong. Maybe it's something you don't agree with. Maybe, maybe they're hurting and damaging themselves. And the easiest thing sometimes to do is to call them out on it. Say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. But sometimes it's not the right time, is it? Sometimes we can make a situation worse. We can provoke that person to anger because we're not acting according to what the Spirit is telling us to do. But instead, we're acting out of our own self-justified idea of what is right and wrong. When in reality, as Scripture teaches us in, in Proverbs chapter 17, and I'll paraphrase this, but even a fool is considered wise when he can keep his mouth shut. <laughs> and uh, it is so true. I, um, sometimes we need to be quiet. Sometimes we need to be still. And we need to wait on the Lord. And then we respond. We respond to that stirring. And why do we respond to the stirring? We can't quelch the spirit. Squelch, excuse me, the spirit. Um, all through Ezra chapter 2, we see, and I won't read the whole chapter, obviously, but please, I encourage you to go through and read that. You see all the many various descendants of so many individuals, so many patriarchs and matriarchs of the Jewish faith. The, their descendants are all responding to the stirring of the Holy Spirit. And we can't squelch the Spirit. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, it literally just says, don't squelch the Spirit. We deny ourselves of blessing. We deny ourselves of, of the Lord's direction. And we also harden our hearts, don't we? You know, it, it's easy for whatever reason maybe, maybe we're hurt. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're angry. 
We just don't want to deal with it sometimes, do we? I am just so done with so-and-so. I just don't even want to be around them. I am so done with Walmart. <laughs> the store is full and there's only two registers open. And, and the two that are open, they're, they're self-checkouts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> why do I, why, why? Um, well, I went to Walmart just not too long ago, actually. Um, I think I mentioned this actually in my last sermon, ironically enough. Uh, but there was a gentleman who cut me off, stole my parking spot. I had my turn signal on the whole bit, and he just pulled right in front of me. And I did one of these, the what? And then he did the right back. And I, so I just pulled forward and I found another parking spot. And I just let it go. I walked, I was walking, you know, toward the building. I, I saw the guy, you know, grumbling. But I go in the door and I got in there and I got into the aisle for the first thing I was on. And I, all right, Russell, you need to let that go. It's not a big deal. It's a parking space. And you know what's funny? That guy, he came in and found me. He said, hey, you know what? My wife, she said I was out of line. I'm sorry. And he and I actually got to talk, and we talked for about 30 minutes. He and I had more things in common you could imagine. Both youth pastors, both similar in similar life situations with blended families, the whole bit. Like two peas in a pod. I never would have talked to that guy if he hadn't cut me off. <laughs> but uh, what that said, we can't ignore. And in, in his situation, had he just ignored that in pride and said, you know what, whatever. I don't need that in my life. I don't need to talk to him. That's a waste of my time. He's probably just mad at me anyways. Why would I go talk to that guy? But you know what? He listened. And he acted. And he did because he didn't want to squelch the spirit. Because he was a man of God. And we all in here, for the most part, I would assume, are men and women of the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit says, act, we need to act. Because we do not want to squelch the spirit. We do not want to harden our hearts to what the Lord has for us. With that said, also... The Spirit moves, and you see this in the notes there if you're following along in the app. The Spirit moves in waves, doesn't it? And in chapter 2, it's no different. You see waves of people coming to their homeland to rebuild, to restart. And when we squelch the Spirit, when we harden our hearts, we miss out on the whole movement. The Lord wants to do an amazing thing in this church body. I don't know what it is. I don't have plans. But I know who does. And I can guarantee you he has plans. God doesn't just do things haphazardly, does he? He doesn't do them by accident. He does them with purpose. So we don't want to miss out on that wave. Now, for the second how, how do we rebuild? We rebuild 
by first off, sometimes restoring what's there. We've got to bring restoration. Or sometimes it's a fresh start, isn't it? We've got to start somewhere. And we've got to build that foundation first, don't we? It's just like with any relationship. It's just like this building, just right over that way. Part of that foundation is failing, isn't it? We've got to restore that. We've got to repair it before we can really do a whole lot more work. Obviously, the roof needed some work first and foremost because that was one of the sources there. But also the roof itself, it was a structural issue. We've got to worry about the structure, the foundation, where everything is built on. In chapter 3, verse 11 is where you can find that. Starting in verse 11, I'll say, I'll, I'll read it here. They sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yet, many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's households the old men who had seen the first temple wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard very far away. This is such an interesting dynamic here, historically, culturally, with all this. But it also speaks to our very, very present moment in our lives, doesn't it, sometimes? Well, we've got to rebuild, we've got to restore, we've got to make a fresh start. It can be a painful process, can't it? Because we have to deal with the past. We have to deal with what's already there, especially if we're restoring Sometimes it's easier to just dig it all up and start again. But it may seem that way, but sometimes that's an impossibility. We have to deal with what's there. Emotionally, relationship-wise, most times we've got to deal with what's there. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, he isn't going to just look the other way when we continue in sin, is he? He's going to want to deal with that. He wants to bring restoration and new life. He wants to make us new creatures in him. He wants to make us more like his son. And he can't do that. When we've got all this junk in the way. It's got to be dealt with. As a church body, as we are working on restoring a literal building right now, We've got to make sure the heart of this church body is right, that our motives are good, that our motives are right, that our motives are being directed and guided by a holy and righteous God, and we're not just doing it in pride, not just doing it so that we can impress the neighbors, you know? Sometimes 
and most times actually, especially if you get saved later in life, the foundation we build on initially isn't always very good. Sometimes it can be pretty weak. When God, most times, he tests us, doesn't he? And we see what that foundation is really worth. Sometimes it's as simple as a motive, isn't it? We can be the best Christian in the whole world, but if our heart isn't right, if our motives for doing it all are wrong, when that testing comes, it all falls apart, doesn't it? When I was uh, going back to the original story there, when I was trying to get the dog kennel put together, this huge dog kennel, so it was a chain link cage, that, and the, the link came in a big wound spool, so to speak, six feet long, so a little taller than me, and it was wound up, and I had to hook it onto the eye hooks right by the one entrance, and I had to literally unwind it by hand and secure it with zip ties and, and go around the corner, and anytime I set it down, though, because it was, you know, chain link fence that comes around, it twists together, so every time I'd sit it down, those twists would interlock with all the others. So everything was twisted together on the bottom because I couldn't hold it and turn and get all this done at the same time. And then it was bound up. And I was yanking it and I was angry. And I was, oh, you screwed And I was saying things that you shouldn't say in church, so I won't repeat them. But I was mad. Oh, I was just steaming mad. I was mad about everything at that point because everything, all of my modus, all of my my unhealthy expectations or my unrealistic expectations, they all came to the surface and I was yelling and fuming and my wife got to see it, bless her heart. I'm so sorry, honey. She got to see that and hear it and she became the, the, the sounding board that I was throwing all that at and the victim of hearing it all and I broke down. It was just too much at that moment. It was too much because I was trying to wear it all on my own. I was trying to fix it and get it to work and do this and do that. And I wanted to be here and be that. And I wanted to be strong and enough. And I'm not. I'm just not. And that's okay. Because I know who is. And I know that when my heart and my mind are fixed on Jesus Christ as my foundation, as my strength... I have something solid to build on. I have strength in abundance, not of my own, but of the Lord's. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, being created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So we got to let go sometimes, don't we? Just like Elsa says. 
quote the Disney movie there. Let it go. Let it go. If you don't have kids, you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> it's a Disney movie. But anyways, um, yeah, sometimes we do. We've got to let that go, and we have to make a fresh start sometimes. And fresh starts can be hard because you want what's, what, what, what you had. We saw those, those men, the, the, the older men that remembered the old temple. They remembered the way things were. And they wept. And it's okay to weep over the past. It's okay to miss what you had. It's okay. It happens sometimes. But we can't let that keep us from what God has for us now. This church, it's not what it was 20 years ago, is it? 30 years ago? The question is, though, what does God have for us right now? Because he's got, he's got lots of things for us right now, in this moment, that he wants us to engage in. And yeah, you know what? We miss the past. We miss what we had, what this church used to be. And we can take some of that with us and apply it to what the Lord has for us now. But we can't just stay in the past, can we? We can't cry over what we used to have and wish it was still just like that. Because that's just the fact of things. We can't. Otherwise, we'll never move forward. And God has things for us to do. Things for us to move forward in. Whether it be a physical building, our own personal lives, the living body of this church. God has things for us to do. And so, why do we bring restoration? Why do we bring that fresh start to things? Because grace requires forgiveness. You know, God, as we were talking about, God wants to give us a new life in him, doesn't he? And we hold on to the past, but God says, no, please. I've got life for you and life more abundantly. Doesn't mean it'll be easier. In fact, it may even be harder. But it'll be new and it'll be with him. And it'll, it, like, I, like I said before, we, if we stand on him as a foundation, even though life may be hard, even though it may not be easy, maybe there'll be struggles that we never would have imagined we'd encounter we still have a foundation and a rock to stand on. And because of that, when we walk through that valley, God will be glorified. Because people will say, I don't know how you made it through that. And we can say, you know what? It was my foundation in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brought me through it. No other way could it have happened. That's what sets us apart from the rest of the world, isn't it? That actually brings us to our third how. How do we rebuild? The third one, in spite of our enemies, for a just cause. And that's in Ezra chapter 4. Again, you'd have to read the whole chapter for that, and I do encourage you to do that, please. But what happens is the surrounding countries of Israel, they hear what's going on. 
that they're rebuilding, more or less reestablishing the kingdom, and they're mad. You can't do this. You're not even a country. You're over here on the pity of another king. And they get mad and they write a letter to the king that sent them there. And because of that, work actually does stop for two years. The world wants to dilute who we are in Jesus Christ. The world wants us to be just like them. You turn on the TV, you watch the news, everybody's mad about everything. Well, so-and-so isn't this way, and so-and-so should be this way. And then you hear the other side, well, they're not doing this, and they're not doing that. And in the middle, you have Jesus Christ, and he's just crying, and he just wants relationship with us. Because he knows we're not, we're not perfect. We're messed up. He wants us regardless. Hey, come on, have a relationship with me and I'll show you the truth. I'll show you my strength. I'll show you my love. Because that's really what we end up missing, isn't it? Especially, again, when we watch the news, where's the love and where's the grace? Where's the forgiveness? It's not there. I've, I've encountered a number of people, and I'm sure you have too, that are very angry in life. And it, the root cause, so many times, is because of what they can't control. I do the same thing. Obviously, that was why I was so upset. I couldn't control that the, the fence was twisting together. I couldn't control the fact that my dogs were able to bust out the fence door in five seconds flat. I couldn't control that somebody had decided to try and plaster a, a, a hole in the bathtub. I couldn't control any of that. And I was so angry because of it. The plain fact of the matter is, is it wasn't in my circle of responsibility to control it. It was God's. Yeah, I have a, a mantra, a saying, and I quote it all the time. So do your best and let God do the rest. You know, and life would be a lot easier if I listened to myself sometimes. Because, you know, obviously we, we can't just sit and not act many times. We have to do our best. But as we've already learned, I know for myself, sometimes I'm not enough. But God is. And in spite of our enemies, when we do it for the love of Jesus Christ, to glorify him for his righteousness, we may have setbacks. It may not go the way that we would have hoped, but God is in control and he will be glorified. So how do we do it? We do it in spite of our enemies. And why do we do it? And we come, kind of already alluded to this. We do it as a testimony to the one true God. Because that's the whole point of this whole thing, isn't it? When people see our lives, they're supposed to see Jesus Christ, right? 
When people see this church, when they walk in the doors, are they supposed to see just a beautiful building? Are they supposed to see people filled with the Holy Spirit? Loving and gracious and forgiving. Ready to welcome anyone who walks in that door with open arms and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we know who is. And we are willing to give our hearts to that person and make that right. Hebrews chapter 12, you don't have to turn there. It talks about laying aside every weight so we can run the race. Maybe we've got baggage. Maybe we're holding on to the past. Maybe we've got some unhealthy expectations or unrealistic ones. Maybe we're putting our spouse through the ringer because... We're just not being fair, holding them to a standard we're not supposed to. Or maybe vice versa. Maybe you find yourself in a situation that you just can't win in. You don't even know what to do. You don't know how to escape from it. Sadly, it's hard all around, isn't it? You know, I read um, a verse just in my regular daily reading. And I wish I could remember where it was, but it talks about how God sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. It's not meant to be easy. That's why when scripture says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, we still have a yoke and we still have a burden. It's just lighter because we have someone helping us carry it instead of having to carry it on our own. Because being a Christian isn't meant to be easy. It's meant to glorify Jesus Christ, is it not? And I know you don't hear that a whole lot from, from sermons and pulpits and preachers. They, oh, it's so easy. You just give your life to give him your heart. It's hard to give your heart to something if you think about it. I have a hard time loving my spouse all the time. Not because she doesn't deserve it, because she does. But because I'm selfish sometimes. I have trouble loving my kids sometimes. Not because they're rotten, sometimes they are, but not because they're rotten, but because sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes I don't want to give my heart to that. That's saved, or if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that doesn't really change on that point, does it? It's just hard. We want to keep that, don't we? It's my heart. And we squash that Holy Spirit in our heart. Instead of being a living thing full of the Holy Spirit, it becomes a stone and it becomes a weight, doesn't it? That weighs us down. We've got to get that stone out of there. We've got to set it to the side so we can run toward a holy and righteous God who has open arms, who loves us so very much. He wants to give us life and life more abundantly. Again, not necessarily easy, but more abundantly because we have a foundation built on him. So the question in all of that then is, what are we building? I mean, literally, we are building a new building. 
And we've got to ask ourselves as a church body, what are we going to do with that? We don't have to answer that question now, obviously, but it's something we should definitely be thinking about, shouldn't we? What does God want to do with that building? And what are we building in here, in our hearts? What is God building in there? Is God building anything? Or are we building our own structures? This church body, it's ministry. What are we building? Are we building a ministry that, that invites and reaches the community? Or is it a private little club? Just food for thought. Uh, it's not my place to answer that. It's between you and the Lord. I'm just giving you some food for thought here and myself as well. We've got to be mindful of what we're building and we've got to know how and why we need to build those things. Why those things must be restored. Why they must be sometimes started over. We just need a fresh start sometimes. Is God, again, God has a plan. He's got a, a method. He's got a means. And he wants each and every one of us to be actively a part of it. With all those thoughts in mind, as we think about what we are or are not building, when we think about this church body, and the direction of what we're building there is. Where do you fit in between you and the Lord right now? Where do you fit in? Maybe the Holy Spirit right now is calling you to a relationship. If he is, please don't hesitate. Make that decision today. And if you uh, need to come forward for any other need, maybe you're having trouble forgiving. And it's, it's got a hold on you. And it's, it's stifling your growth. And you just need to let go. And maybe you, you're working on that, but you can't find grace for people and others. Whatever that may be. I'm going to pray, and Nate's going to play a song. And if you have a need, come on down. Dear Lord, once again, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you are ever-present in our lives, Lord. An ever-present help in need, at times of need, Lord. And even when we don't need, you are our comforter and our friend. And Lord, not just a, a regular friend, Lord, but a friend that tells us when we're out of line. Lord, I pray that we would fall even more in love with you. Lord, that you would compel us and make us more like you in the process. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together. Please stand. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this 
blesses my soul, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day I have some great news. Did you know that the worship band here at First Baptist Church Independence is planning a special concert to help raise money for the restoration of the 1896 Worship Sanctuary? We are going to play country and gospel. It's going to be all the musicians that you know from Sunday mornings really getting a chance to stretch out and play and sing and worship. We encourage you to ask your neighbors and your friends, those uh, that are sometimes attending different churches on a Sunday morning, uh, would they'll be able to make this because it's on a Saturday night, Saturday, November 16th. We will see you there. We will have a great time, and it's all for a good cause.